Last World Minute, the minimal bit of podcast reviewing 997 sequel Jurassic Park, one minute time. I'm Brad. And Dave. And today we're back to discuss Minute 104 of The Lost World. Dave, uh, this past week, um, the Dinosaur Protection Group has been putting up some uh, new articles and some new sort of ways to interact with the fandom, and one of those was a dino adoption certificate. Yeah, it was kind of a nice little fun addition, I thought. Mm, mm. It was sort of like, uh, I remember the early Masrani site where you could actually sign up and have your um, photo put on a ID tag to sort yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, it, it does remind me of that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, like you you put your email address in and sign up and you get a, a little certificate with a, um, a dinosaur that you're in charge of protecting for the, for the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a great little way of getting people... people uh, Active and in, not in charge. Included, I suppose. Humpy's mm-hmm. been presumed to be scavengers like jackals. Gives me the creeps. It's like it's not scared. There haven't been any visitors to this island. There's no reason for it to fear man. Now it does. One other article they posted up too was a um, interesting one with. Uh, I think it was called the uh, the rise and fall of Maserati Global. Sort of a little bit more backstory into that, the making and what happened between '97 and Jurassic World opening, with Simon Maserati sort of being there to look after animals, and now that he's dead, the the, the company's on that bit of a down downhill spiral. And also, sort of, it's it's hard because it's written by an activist in the dinosaur protection group, so they're obviously going to go after the company for being negligent and all this sort of thing, but and we've talked before how I'd really love to see some sort of viral marketing as well from Masrani to say, hey, it's fine, we're going to save these animals and this, because as far as we see, they've just dropped off the map since the park was shut down. <laughs> the, um... Yeah, it really has, and it's interesting because it was like the company was really great with the social media while the park was running, but without Sam, Masrani is just, like, dead. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, I'll just I'll just like to see that because we're not we're not 100 percent on who's running the uh, who's running things in Fallen Kingdom, um, who's in charge of the evacuation, the rescue, and all that. If it's Injun, if it's Masrani, or if it's the Dinosaur Protection Group, um, it's probably one of the last great secrets of the movie that's left that hasn't been put in the recent trailers. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, we did get that, uh, I think it's the latest TV spot that has the Tyrannosaur <laughs> roaring at a lion in a zoo somewhere. Um, which, it, I could see it being the end of the film if they've gone rightio, all the animals that survived, they've sort of spread them across the world and put them in a zoo in their own little enclosure. Mm-hmm. Especially the Tyrannosaur, just to see out of final days in a zoo like that. I could see that happening. But then that that seems more like a franchise end or the series end, not yeah. well. Now what are we going to do to have one more film? Well, it's not. It's actually in the zoo. If you look behind the T Rex as she's roaring at the lion, you can see that the fencing has been broken into. Ah. Okay. Because I know the gondolas are in the background as well. I'm wondering if they mm-hmm. were if this is on Nublar or if it's somewhere mainland. And I got asked in PM or in group discussions or something, a lot of zoos, even SeaWorld here, has animal attractions as well. And I wonder if there's non-dinosaur attractions on Nublar as well that we haven't seen yet. 
I don't know. Some sort of safari lodge or... I don't know how it would go for the ecosystem, how they'll... <laughs> if if uh, anyone would let that happen, but... There could be. There could be lions and tigers and a polar bear and uh, hyenas and other sort of animals like that on Nublar in their own zoo as well. I don't know. I mean, the, the only thing I think of that would be against that, Masrani was already losing interest with real dinosaurs, and that's why they started doing the hybrids. So, would I mean, how do you how do you compare a lion to a T Rex? Mm. Really, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it'd be like it'd be like those areas of the zoo that have animals yeah. no one just wants to see, and you can always get up exactly. close and look at because everyone's over at the lion or the the rhino or. And that's the thing if they're if they're already losing the attractiveness of the dinosaurs and yeah regular regular zoo animals that everyone's seen millions of times already no. <laughs> wouldn't really be much of an attraction. Yeah, but we'll see. We've got a couple of weeks to go. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. Fifteen years ago, John Hammond had a dream. Like John himself, the dream was grand. It was outside. It was bold. It was impractical. It was not to be. Well, half an hour from now, John Hammond's dream, reimagined, will come true. And briefly, too, on some uh, film news, um, you'd be excited by this. John Swartzman has been signed on to return. Um, Fallen Kingdom cinematographer is back for Jurassic World 3, which um, you've, you've been saying the last couple of weeks how much you're really liking the look of the trailers and the look of Fallen Kingdom, and I've seen that. I do, I do. Yeah. And it's... Uh, Bayona's personal cinematographer on that, so that's kind of why it looks so good compared to Jurassic World. Mm. I said this when he was first announced for Jurassic World, John Schwartzman. He really has nothing that I would call um, atmospheric in his work. He really brings nothing of interest to the table as a cinematographer. Yeah. I mean, there's something that Jurassic Park movies are known for, and I think I went on this rant before on the minute. I'm sure we have. <laughs> <laughs> is that it has, it's this movie full of beautiful, visceral visuals. That's, that's Jurassic Park, is that it's always had great scenic uh, visuals, great, uh, great dinosaur visuals. It's always been very well, um, had the shots very well put together. It, but, Jurassic World has none of that. It's bland. It's boring. It's sterile. Hmm. You know. Yeah, I think the only thing that really comes close would be when the boys are walking through the visitor center. Just you got that dark, eerie, and the fact it's a, like a set um, <clears throat> and not really a larger space. But um, mm-hmm. see, even the even the the ending fight between the Tyrannosaur and Indominus Rex as well that. The fact that the ground's wet and it should have been a rain, a nighttime rain scene, because we need a rain scene in Jurassic Park or in a Jurassic film. The fact that they've cut the sprinklers and just done it all um, without the rain effect. Mm-hmm. So. No, but um, even that scene in the visitor center, the music is the strongest part of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. the vis- its visually boring. You're looking at a old wall mat or an old. Uh, glass covered uh, vine covered glass mural 
that you really can't see very well. I mean, well, that's it. you might as well be looking at it and paint dry. Yeah, it's too that, damn dark the in there. It makes that entire scene. Yeah, yep, it's too damn dark in there. <laughs> it is. You can't see the it's staircase. So prone, it's hmm. you know. Yep. They went too far with the overgrowth. <laughs> they didn't. Yeah, that could you could really blame on the set designer though. No, no. But the lighting is all Schwartzman's uh, thing, and it's just I didn't like it. Mm. Yeah. There's really nothing about Jurassic World that set it apart from the other movies. Mm. Jurassic, The Lost World, even though it's dark and scary and foreboding and uses a lot of silhouette, that was intention. That was intended. John, uh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, Janusz Kaminski intended that to be like that. It, it was it was supposed to be okay. Let's less less showing off the dinosaurs and more showing off what they can do. Yeah. Jurassic Park was the dream when it was still alive. It was beautiful. It was grand. It was incredible. I mean, look, thinking back to that to the shots they use on Kauai, it was an absolutely beautifully shot film. Even the most dangerous parts of it were gorgeous. And uh, The Lost World takes all of that and flips it upside down and makes it dangerous. It makes it mean. It makes it ugly. Jurassic Park 3, while um, you know, while I do have my gripes against it, I feel like I've been hard on it in the past in, when, it's, um, when it comes to the set design. Just because I mean, it still feels like a Jurassic Park movie. It still has that isolation, isolated abandonment feel to it, you know? Yeah, and even, like, yeah, fair enough, a lot of the jungle sets, are exactly as sets are not out on location, but it just, the, the, it feels a lot more tighter. The foliage, the jungle feels more enclosed around you. Um, we, mm-hmm. don't get, we don't get a lot of those big open views across plains or valleys. There's only a couple of shots where, and some of that's even just, blue screen or green screen there's the classic mm-hmm. one when eric and grant are looking down at the boat and you see him on a little exposed <laughs> bit of grass it's supposed to be the edge of the jungle and looking down over the ravine and they're just looking at a big blue screen but um, but still even that that shot that's like even though it's a blue screen shot i still think it's a fantastic <laughs> shot just that that um canyon network with the the mist down below um, yeah it makes you wonder how they can't see the aviary from where they are, but we won't we won't go into that that just yet. But yeah, so it's 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 I don't know Jurassic World three sort of shaping up to be a return to Jurassic Jurassic World, and that um, even though Colin wants to do this techno thriller and everything else, the fact that he's returning to direct, um, the writer's gone, Colin's going to write it as well, and now we've got his cinematographer back as well. Just yeah. Well, that's another thing is, I mean, I, I have friends in the paleontological um, field. For example, I'm friends with Dr. Thomas Holtz on Facebook. He's a really cool guy, great guy to get to know. And paleont the uh, more the more paleontologically minded fans are skeptical of Trevor's promise to bring it more scientific. Mm. Because I mean. Jurassic World was that chance. Jurassic World was new dinosaurs, new new company, it was new designs, new breeds. They had the chance. They blew it. 
they they can't just stick feathers on the Velociraptor now. The Velociraptor, the only Velociraptor we have left, is Blue. Yeah. Well, and we know she's living. I mean, she's the she's the new star dancer, the franchise. Yeah, she's the pog. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> essentially, she is right. Yeah. Well, that's it. She's all over the marketing, and that's that's because exactly. Yeah, exactly. she was a savior of uh, Jurassic World, but. I suppose yeah. that that's sort of one interesting thing going back to that um, dinosaur protection group Masrani um, article. How again it says in there that Simon Masrani feeling bad for the animals dying and having the massive die off on Sauna um, captured all the dinosaurs and brought them to Nublar and now Sauna's sitting there un- un- uninhabited and restricted. So they they could have they could have brought and done all this with Jurassic World and gone, right, let's intermingle intermingle males and females and have the different designs. We've seen different designs of animals on screen, and clearly they're the, they're the males from what we've seen in The Lost World. And it's it hasn't really been put anywhere that Colin said in early marketing for Jurassic World that, oh, no, nah, we just make all the dinosaurs sterile now. We've got males yeah. and females. We're just... Where you still see in fandoms people posting, no, the Indoraptor can't be male because all the dinosaurs are female. It's like, no, that's not. <laughs> some things they're marketing really well, and some things they're marketing poorly. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. that is true. Yeah. And it just, it just Jurassic World Three is just sort of shaping up to be that that extra. It's like the Rogue One, the little side story. It's going to be at the very end of the franchise. It probably isn't going to mean a lot to the overall story. Because the whole the whole premise of this trilogy was supposed to be open source. What happens if other people can make dinosaurs? And everything they've brought out so far, uh, Jurassic World was the only one of its kind. And if it shut down, and that's it for the dinosaurs and theme parks and um, even the dinosaur protection group, all the the viral stuff coming out to say, right, well, the Gene Guard Act come in in '97 or. 2001, whenever it was, so no one else can make dinosaurs. Well, that completely shuts or writes out what you wanted to do and what you're promoting with Jurassic World is, and what Fallen Kingdom might have been. A lot of people actually thought that we might refer to um, that we might finally actually get Biosyn in the um, movies, which, frankly, like you said, probably is not going to happen now. Well, that, that viral marketing stuff with Dinosaur Protection Group was mentioning another company that um, was bidding for InGen in 97 after Hammond's death and then in 2011 they actually made that um, gene sequencer and called it the Hammond all in in film canon but um, and we see that in Jurassic World when it's sitting there and it can um, get a full genome from fossilised DNA or what have you in a couple of hours um, so that revolutionised the genetic genetic research well if you're making this machine, surely you're selling it to someone. So there's got to be other mm-hmm. companies that are looking into DNA. And that, that sort of opens the whole can of, well, not just dinosaurs, where's the mammoths, where's all the other extinct animals, and where's even animals that are near extinction now, white rhinos and all that, where you could populate. It's just what's going to be the, the bigger draw card in the end because you need to pay for this stuff. Sure. And, yeah. and the, <laughs> it seems the, the one goal to uh, get money back is to, hey, let's open a zoo or a theme park. So. Let's not cure cancer. I don't want to cure cancer. I want to be, make dinosaurs. Well, there's, <laughs> there's no money in that because then we won't have radiotherapy and all the other expensive things that people need. <laughs> yeah. 
So, time will tell. Anyway, we'll see what we'll see what Fallen Kingdom's like, and because it might it might just be like the original trilogy. We had Jurassic Park, everyone loved. Jurassic uh, the Lost World come out, and like this film, we might like it better than the first, and then we get a Jurassic Park three at the end, which is just like okay, that's what the franchise ended on again. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. Anyway. Enough, enough ranting. Um, yeah. I suppose just lastly too. Um, last night from recording would have been Saturday night. Uh, I've been showing the sun or getting the the old PlayStation One out and playing some games on that. We ended up pulling the Lost World PlayStation One game out last night and having a bit of a play with it. And I'll have to if anyone hasn't seen the just the introduction videos for each character and that you've got to go and get on YouTube and just check introduction um, videos for. Uh, PlayStation 1 The Lost World um, I'll have to I didn't really I was a little bit drunk and wasn't really paying a lot of attention but some of the <laughs> I, I think for the um, the Hunter or the Sarah one at least um, there's a lot of things there that sort of suggest um, will sort of go along what they're doing now and what they've said now about Wu and the team going back to Jurassic Park after the evacuation um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff on screen about the evacuation being complete now to go back in and see what happened with the dinosaurs and that um, and it might be a bonus we do at the end of the end of the show run just to look at those videos because a lot of stuff in there sort of reminds me of what's been said and done now with this new trilogy and it's just sort of weird and interesting that that sort of stuff come out mm-hmm. before the Lost World film come out so it doesn't really really tie in canonically to that as well or canonically mm-hmm. to that but yeah, it's just it's a good fun game. I like it, <laughs> and we get the East Dock and the and the adventure sitting there with cranes and that loading ready to load animals onto the venture. So, oh, oh yeah, yeah, they do. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, anyway, we can talk about that at a later stage once I actually yeah, view it, view it, and take some notes. But uh, if there's anything else, Dave, we'll get into 104. Alright, sure. As we ended minute 103 of the Lost World, the Tyrannosaurus had escaped the Ingemortifying Complex and had climbed up onto a rocky outcrop and bellowed at the city of San Diego. At the 7 second mark we cut back to the dock, the Zane and Sarah chasing after one of the Ingem workmen, and she asks why the hell wasn't it tranquilised. At the 25 second mark, after a brief description about the Tyrannosaur being hit with two darts from Roland's gun, Ian asks the worker if there was any more dinosaurs on the boat. And he replies that no, they brought the infant back on the plane. At the 34 second mark, Anne and Sarah ignore the workmen and run back to where Ludlow's sitting on the side of the dock and asks, do you have the infant? It's safe. At the 50 second mark, after telling Anne that the Rex is going to look for water and then the next thing its body needs, Sarah says that all the containment equipment is here. We've got to get it back to the dock, the boat might be still seaworthy. And on the island, when they brought the baby to the trailers, it came. There's no reason it wouldn't do the same thing here. And as the minute ends, Malcolm agrees and says, yep. And this ends, minute 104 of The Lost World. As we open, uh, we get our last little shot of the Trenosaur roaring on that rocky outcrop overlooking San Diego. Now, I'm not 100% knowledgeable on US city skylines. Is that actually San Diego? A shot from the water? Uh, that is San Diego, but the actual... the um rock that they filmed it um, is just a blank rock staring out into like an empty field or something like that in Burbank. I don't... It's not actually San Diego. 
Yeah, so they've they've just had a, a, a camera on the water looking at the at the CBD or at the city, and superimposed the wrecks over the top of it. Yeah, the the I'll post the um I'll post the image uh when this minute goes live yeah. or when the last minute went live of the um of the city of what they shot was just a basically a blank plate. It was just a background plate and then inserted the um inserted the skyline in the background and the T Rex in the foreground. Yep, yeah, yeah, I remember you saying that last minute. Yeah, so have a look at that when it's posted up. Um but we cut back to the, the dock as a workman's um wandering or you got workmen wandering the area and still sort of helping VIPs out. Um one like there's one bloke here getting helped with his arm over his shoulder and in a minute we see two more carrying a lady, um, five and carry style. Sarah so we get the Sarah voiceover as um her and Ian start following one workman asking why the hell wasn't it tranquilized? And uh, the workman says it was. Roland hit it with two darts. A concentrated canab. Fentanyl. That's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> over over ten milligrams. Which we we had this discussion when uh, Ludlow and Roland were walking around the Tyrannosaur, and Roland was making his departure from Sauna. Um, how all this was supposed to be there, and Ludlow sort of getting upset because the animal had stopped breathing, and they had to sort of administer a dosage to try and get it going again but um and the workman says here it stopped breathing um so we had to give it an ultrasound to counteract the effect but we didn't know how much to give it they sort of as they're going back and forth here they're walking past that rolled trenosaur cage that was on the uh, the, the trail of the truck with Ian <laughs> closely following behind um and then sarah says you administered a narcotic without knowing the proper dosage you put the animal in an arcleptic state and now the thing's a locomotive <laughs> <laughs> Which, <laughs> which I'm guessing, I'm guessing that'd be like if uh, if they gave it a sleeping pill and it started dozing off, and then all of a sudden they gave it two or double a double shot of espresso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the animal's alert, alive, and um, hopped up on red cordial. Yeah, it's on T-Rex on speed. Yeah, yeah. Right, can we just go back to that one roar though? Yeah. That roar the T-Rex lets out at the beginning of the minute, that's got to be my favorite T-Rex roar out of any of the T-Rex roars in any of the movies. I just love how deep and angry and mean it sounds, you know? Mm. Well, it sounds like an animal roar as well. One problem I had with Jurassic Park, a couple of times on the Tyrannosaur bellows or roars, it sort of, it sounds very processed. It does in a little bit. I have noticed that in the later years is that it sounds you can note you can after you watch the um, Foley artists you can notice the elephant and the tiger and all those little roars and trumpets and stuff they mixed in there to create the Jurassic Park T Rex roar. Yeah, I think the one the one main one I've got is when uh, after it pushes the explorer over the the moat the fence and um, it sort of lets out that last roar before we go back to control room final trying to get the park uh-huh. back online it just we've always laughed it sounds like a um like i've heard it a, a piece of earth moving equipment here at full revs <laughs> just revving really hard it's just that sort of yeah so or even like a dragster or something at full revs but um mm-hmm. but then for that for that one sort of nitpick there's a lot more that they do right um yeah 
and get well, especially when we get stuff like the, the Raptors and that. Oh, the Raptors are are, are, are yeah, great sound mixing. Mm. I still remember when I uh, watched the fully art uh, fully artist doing the sounds of Jurassic Park. You can find it on YouTube. It's um, it was a news segment that they did, and they are interviewing the fully art the fully artist, and he's got a keyboard set up with when each key corresponds to <laughs> different way to um, make the Raptor sounds. Yeah. And as just just as he's doing it, you can yeah, I'm like sitting there thinking, damn, that's that's cool. I mean, I could just sit there and play with that thing all day, making various raptor sounds. That would be because I mean, just as he plays it, every key sounds like the raptor, you know. And that's yeah, and that's just not the screech. It's the snarl. It's the scream. It's the the giving chase. Like all these different little um, alterations to the sound. Uh-huh. And on across well, how many keys are on a keyboard like that you've got so many different variations wow that'd be fantastic <laughs> <laughs> it almost gives me chills in a way because I always say that the Velociraptors were the scariest part of the first and second movies I remember when I was a kid that, and I know we're kind of late talking about Velociraptors as we got a, the, the T-Rex's big scene <laughs> <laughs> but when I was a kid, there was a Herrerasaurus uh, display in the Field Museum, and I used to be so terrified to go past it because it would, um, they looked, they were to about my, they were, first of all, they were uh, positioned like up high on a shelf. Yeah. And so, to, uh, for, they were in this pose that looked like they were mid-leap, and they were colored like the Jurassic Park Velociraptors. Not only that, but they have the head shape, right? That kind of rectangular head shape, and they terrified me to go to have to go past them, and you and you had to go past them <laughs> to see the rest of the dinosaurs. Yep. So it was kind of like torture before you got your tree. <laughs> well, and that's yeah, the dinosaur museum here too. Like out the front, you've got a um, might be a parasol office with um, free velociraptors in mid-attack on, on its back and and like they've, they've got it painted up not too uh-huh. gory-like but just yeah the, the fact that you can stand here beside this um, full-size um, dinosaur statues or mannequins whatever you call them and yeah you got these raptors in mid-attack and just seeing how big they are beside <laughs> you and realizing there's not a lot you could do <laughs> to stop to yeah. stop this from happening and Unfortunately, in the films, a lot of the time we see that happening, it's off the camera, or we hear the screams, or there's a palm front in the way. Mm-hmm. Well, to make matters worse, there's three Herrerasaurus, all life casts, and one and one um, fossil mount. Wow. So, imagine three. So it was to my six-year-old self, three Jurassic Park raptors, a pack of them, just like the movie, mm. looking just like the movie. About to tear me to shreds, just like they do Muldoon, <laughs> you know? Or the Hunters <laughs> in yeah. the Lost World. <laughs> but anyway, back to the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, as we sort of come around, uh, we arrive, we're still walking and talking, and uh, we get around the front of the overturned rig where the um, workman holds up his hands and says, mm-hmm. look, we've prepared here, and goes to get something out of the cab. At this point, Ian asks him if there were any more dinosaurs on the boat, which is sort of one of those things 
I forgot this line was here because I just thought they asked Ludlow in a minute, where's the infant? And I was going to say, how do they know that the infant even come back? Because when they flew over that island, they only seen the Trenosaur being caged up and shipped out. Well, he does say no, and they brought the infant back on the plane. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, that probably tells them that, okay, that these are the only two dinosaurs we need to worry about. Um, yeah. Although I think if there was any other dinosaurs on the boat, the Trenosaur would have made short, <laughs> shorter... Uh, use of them down in the cargo hold anyway, but... Yeah. But, um, yeah, as you said, the, the, um, the workman says that they brought the infant back on the plane, um, and says, look, we had this to tranquilise it, and then Sarah sort of ignore him and start running back the way they just come from, which... It's sort of interesting, it's like, does the security seem a bit poor here? <laughs> well, I said, yeah, it does. Yeah, like, they're bringing back... Fair enough, they're... they're goal was to bring back herbivores enclosed in cages which was minimal risk and now they've obviously known because we've seen them working on the, this cage to get it ready for the Trenosaur um, we're bringing back the largest carnivore we've at this stage created and had to deal with we know we know the game we know the score here we know what we need to uh, to keep it contained yet there's a one tranquilizer rifle in the truck that could have been severely damaged when that truck rolled over. And then you've got this workman going, oh, look, we had a, we had a gun in case something happened. It's, it's here. <laughs> the Trenosaur's gone. It's no good now. But And again, it's sort of one of those things. You don't want to see sort of the armed armed workmen on the dock with all the VIPs standing by off the cameras and that, mm -hmm. but at least have them in the security or the guardhouse. <laughs> just yeah, on, really. Just on standby. Just comes and rolls them over. Yeah. Because it, it's one of those things, like, we know more so from the shooting script in those final scenes on Sauna, that the vet was killed, so they didn't know exactly what they were done. Surely there would have been some sort of communication between Sauna, the Venture, and the mainland with a vet to um, to make sure that the animal was getting the proper dosage once it was on its way home. Mm -hmm. And it's just... There should have been communication with the ship before this attempt to uh, get it to slow down in the harbour or approaching the dock. So they should have known something was up earlier, but but yeah, but just going back to only having this one tranquilizer gun in in the truck, it's it's one of those things that we've seen across the Jurassic franchises. Humans can't shoot the dinosaurs because it's not the dinosaurs' fault. They're only doing what it's sort of their own nature. Um, yes, in this film we've seen some hunters shooting at dinosaurs, but we never see them actually getting shot. Jurassic World was the same with just, okay, we're going to tranquilise all the dimorphodons and that. And it's something I hope we see, or it probably needs to change. If you're going to go darker in Fallen Kingdom, then you really need to... The Indoraptor's got to be shot or something. Just... Well, to be fair, there were... Uh, um, Owen Grady was shooting some of, them, some of the dimorphodons down with his rifle. So that wasn't tranquilised, isn't there? Yeah, but... We saw him see him firing, and I, I don't recall if we actually see any falling as a result of being shot. True. It's been a while since I've seen it, so there might be some shots of some falling out of the sky as he's shooting. Um, I will say that um, I will shorten your sentence there to uh, the problem with uh, what we've seen with the problem with InGen in the past is humans can't shoot dinosaurs. I'll shorten that to just humans. The problem <laughs> with engines is humans. <laughs> People suck. Yeah. People don't think. People bring one tranquil tranquilizer gun 
to an island full of dinosaurs with them. And that's talking about both Hammond's team and bringing the T-Rex back in this truck. They just don't think. Like, maybe we should have more than one guy with a tranquilizer gun. Gee, maybe we should bring uh, bring more than one tranquilizer gun with us. They had it right in the novel. They had multiple. They had pistols plus the tranquilizer rifle mm. in uh, in the novel. And that's and even even in case of something happening, not being able to take care of the animals humanely, they had the gas. They had one of the most yeah, that too, the non-lethal uh, package. Mm. I'd say because they had nerve. They had like nerve to- toxins, smoke bombs, and some other things in there. I can't remember. Yeah, I wrote the article. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember what it was. Yeah, and that's that's sort of a whole whole defensive capability the trailers had um, that's not shown in the film. Now, of course, the film the trailers the only scene they have really is with the Tyrannosaurs, and that's not where it's used in the novel. It's used during uh, Raptor attacks later on the in the novel. But um, well, yeah, also um, that they do use against the T Rex is the. Um, the what was it the uh, bear system yeah, yeah electrical bear system that they had on the RV and they I think that they uh, use that because the, and they fry the not fry the T Rex but they kind of zap him and he runs off mm. yeah it gives it makes him pause long enough to stop the attack so the trails don't yeah. keep on getting pushed towards the cliff but exactly um, but yeah just briefly going back to injury it's sort of um, it goes back to Roland's opening monologue of being on too many safaris with rich dentists. It's just, you don't know what you're doing. Humans, <laughs> I've been on safaris with you where you've brought the complete wrong setup or wrong gear or all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff in here. It's just, it's the incompetence of man. Yeah, yeah. It, it's in a cage. It's, it's fine. It's sedated. Um, it's... The franchise in itself, the incompetence of man, the hubris of man, our arrogance blinds us and makes us do these stupid, stupid things. Mm. Yeah, and we're going to get to that a lot more in the, uh, by the end of this minute and going in the next minute as well, because um, mm-hmm. Ian and Sarah run back a few metres to reveal... who I, I'm calling Ludlow Rumpelstiltskin now, because all of a sudden he's sitting up on the edge of this broken dock where we panned panned right past him before when Sarah is talking to the workman and he's not there and then two seconds later they pan back and here he is just sitting there with a sad look on his face <laughs> um, and he's John Hammond now yeah. he's seen all his dreams and hopes crushed and crumbled to dust yep and you can definitely tell um, tell by the way it's sort of he's talking to because Sarah asks where's the infant he just says it's safe yeah mm-hmm. He knows he's sort of, even with the animals, it's sort of he's caused all this, and the, the Tyrannosaurs ran off and about to cause a lot of havoc, and he doesn't seem to uh, comprehend the situation, or maybe he does. Well, I, think and... in... okay. I think he's in shock right now. Mm. He just, I mean, like you said, he can't comprehend, but his mind literally cannot comprehend what just happened. He just saw his prize, his everything, everything that was going to make him rich, just literally walk off. But wouldn't, um, I suppose at the time he had his hip flask so he could wash his sorrows away, but you'd think he'd sort of be feeling the same way as he did when the camp was destroyed. It's just, <clears throat> we've lost everything we come for on this trip. 
he says it to Rowan later, but the the animal's going to single-handedly bail Injun out, and mm-hmm. it'd be feeling the same way as when the camp's destroyed. He's seen all the animals they've just spent a day capturing, um, running free, destroying the camp, destroying all their equipment. Well, I think after the camp attack, he was coping with alcohol. Yeah, yeah. But after, but when he told said it was up to Roland, and he said that we've lost everything, but we've got this T-Rex. He was hopeful. He was excited. He was, he was believing that he was going to actually be able to save something of this trip. Hmm. But uh, Sarah pushes Ian aside and says the animal's dehydrated. The first thing it's going to search for is a water source, uh, and then it's going to look for the next thing its body needs. They don't actually call out meat, food, <laughs> but we all we all know exactly what that that next thing is. He's gonna go Godzilla. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And there's a lot of well, there shouldn't be a lot of people running around, but we'll get to that in a couple of minutes' time. <laughs> um, uh, are we? All and then she says all the containment equipment's here. We've got to get back to the dock. The boat might be still seaworthy. When uh, Ian sort of murmurs, not wanting. What he's about to say be true, but uh, right, am I thinking what you're about to say? And she says, yeah, when we brought the baby to the trailer, it came. There's no reason to think it won't do the same here. And uh, Malcolm reluctantly agrees and says, yep. And that's where we, uh, the minute ends. But it's sort of this whole, the, the plot's been hatched now to lure the Trenosaur back to the dock and to the boat, mm-hmm. much like they did with the, uh, or much like the accident of bringing the um, baby back to the trailers. We We mentioned last minute about how uh, toxic and un, unnatural, unfamiliar, the San Diego environment would be to the Trenosaur. Uh, yeah, and true. and how, okay, they get pretty close to it later, but that Trenosaur picks up pretty quick that it's the babies in the car with them mm-hmm. and lures them back to the boat. But the, the boat's never checked for seaworthiness, as far as we know. They just sort of decide, not we're going to bring it back. There's What containment equipment's here? There's a ruined there's a ruined cage on its side on the dock. There's mm-hmm. a ruined cage on the boat, and a tranquilizer rifle the guy just brought out. Like, yeah, you can bring it back to, and trank it. We never see a single crane here anywhere. Um, there is a crane on the venture, but I don't know. Well, I suppose that's probably how they got it on the boat to start with, if not by helicopter. So you'd you'd think that it'd be a safer and a better plan to lure it to Jurassic Park, San Diego. I don't know. I mean, I think the goal here was to get it back to Sarna, and well, they can't you... do that with uh, at, with it at JP San Diego. Besides the fact that there's no place to keep it contained there, mm. um, if they lure it to the boat, there's the cargo hold that they found it in that they can just stick it back in there and close the doors. Yeah, and if they get it, I, I suppose the plan is get it contained now. Worry worry about how to get it out of here later. Yeah, no. yeah, and if they've got it safely contained on the boat, it's sort of a tick in the box to help convince whoever authorities or whatever, hey, it's here, we've got it contained again, let's just send it back to where it come from and not shoot it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because as we as we get in the later minutes, Ludlow gives a command to shoot it. Like mm-hmm. He's not he's not worried about keeping it anymore. He, at, at that point, he knows the baby's safe. He's got that in time; it'll grow up, and um, maybe with some training and some. Um, skills from a uh, from a navy guy, they might be able to train it. But <laughs> well, uh, the plan was, and the deleted scene where um, Ludlow breaks the baby's leg, and he's trying to convince um, Roland to let him have the baby. 
He says that they have growth inhibitors that would yeah. allow them to small. Yeah. So in, a, in, a, in effect, it would probably just grow and become a fully formed T-Rex, but it wouldn't get much bigger than it was than it was now. You know, mm. it would have the shape of a full-grown T-Rex, but small. You know, <clears throat> in a way, it almost kind of hankers back to um, when Lewis Dodgson is speculating with the rest of Biosyn about what Engine did and what they could do with it. And he mm. says that they can make pets of them, you know? Yeah. And that's that, hey, that's that, as Malcolm's saying in the Fallen King trial, that's that generic, genetic power. Mm-hmm. Being able to being able to have their own breed of dinosaur, pygmy dinosaurs, and then only sell food that those dinosaurs can eat and just go to the market. They can license deficient, so they have to eat the special food that only Injun makes that allows them to take in lysine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? And then the same with vets. Only Injun vets can. It's it's like Apple. Only Apple can service your mobile phone, put a new screen in, it and all this other stuff. Yeah, exactly. there's yeah. there's black market services it's... available to do it, but yeah. Now that you think about it, I mean, they didn't have the iPhone back in 1995 when the novel came out. But yeah. Now that you say that, it is almost exactly like Apple. You can't use any apps that Apple doesn't allow. You can't. You can't. You can only charge it with an Apple charger, and you can only get a service by Apple. Uh, technicians, you know. Yeah, well, and not just not just Apple. I sort of use that as an example, but even current or even going in the future with automotive, the automotive industry, um, mm-hmm. farm equipment. John Deere. John Deere won't let um, any other mechanics work on their equipment. If you have a John Deere tractor, it has to be like new. This is new stuff, not the old cotton uh, harvesters okay. and that. But if you've got a new John Deere tractor or header or harvester. Um, that's got to be serviced by John Deere technicians. Only John Deere technicians have the the software and that to service the equipment. Um, and cars are the same. Tesla and all these new electric cars. Yeah. You, technically, you don't own the car. It's a contract to have a car for its life. And then once the car's no longer operational, um, you've got to give it back to Tesla. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my printer's like that. It's an Epson printer. Yeah. I can only get it to work with Epson ink. I yeah. cannot get it to work with anything else. <clears throat> it'll um, it'll take the cartridge, but it won't read the cartridge. Yeah, it has to be Epson only. You know. And it just it's just amazing that Michael Crichton was sort of on this back then, because yeah. I'm just trying to think what would have been similar around that time, and all I can think of is like Windows 90, Windows 95 can only work on a IBM computer or. Or something like that, but I'm sure there would have been different versions for um, Hewlett Packard and all those other computers as well. Mm-hmm. No, just... that is actually really intelligent of him and to have that foresight, you know? Yeah, yep. And again, where is Bias now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so yeah, going back to the, the whole plan, it just. Um, it's, it seems like it'd be a lot easier for the Trenosaur to track the baby across the island that it's known and grown up on, or the, the parents have known and grown up on for seven or so years, than um, try and track the baby through this unfamiliar place with new smells. Um, but again, if they've got, if the male can visually see the baby there and gets a whiff mm-hmm. of the smell, then I'm sure. Well, that's how it figures out it's theirs because it makes a noise and you smell it, you're going to hear it. Going, you can hear it whiffing the air as uh, before it looks over at 
the um at the uh, uh what is it a Chevelle? Pontiac. Pontiac. <laughs> <laughs> Pontiac. And when he looks over to the Pontiac convertible and he uh, knocks the seventy-eight or seventy-six ball off its uh, stand there and roars at him. Well, that's it. It's that it's that call the baby makes, which it was doing the whole time when um, they were taking it back to the trailers. It was bellowing mm-hmm. out. Um, well, all the, way, the first call that it makes is kind of like a groggy groan, and I love it because it sounds exactly like when you wake a kid up and he doesn't want to get up. So, <laughs> don't wake me up. You know? I don't want to go to school today. Exactly. <laughs> you know how <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that's I suppose it all starts when after the broken leg, but you get that whale as well. Um, yeah. And again, once they get to the dock, Sarah's like, "Oh, Ian's like this thing's, <laughs> oh, no, this Sarah, this thing's completely awake, and it's just mm-hmm. bellowing out." So, but we'll get to that in a couple of minutes' time. Looking at the shooting script briefly, uh, as the Tyrannosaur sort of lumbers out and um, leaves the area. That's when, because uh, Lara, Lara, Sarah, Ludlow, and Ian were all standing on the dock together when the Rex escaped, not separated. And um, as it's sort of wandering out the out of the dock area, Sarah sort of looks at Ludlow and says, "Why the hell wasn't it tranquilized?" And Ludlow sort of stammers a bit and replies, "It was con, con true." And that's that's him trying to pronounce what it was too, not just me um, <laughs> or or something. And um, Sarah replies, um, "Cananfinal." That's impossible to slept for days. And then they move over to Twisted Wreck of the Rex Cage. Um, oh, they move over to the Twisted Wreck of the T-Rex Cage that's on the deck. And says so there was something else they gave it as well um, to get it breathing again. Maybe we used too much, I don't know. And uh, at this point, Ludlow tries to pull a tranquilizer rifle off a mount that's on that cage. There's a couple of them mounted on that cage just in case it started to wake up again. But... Um, mm-hmm. And then he says, we had this to tranquilise it, so he's sort of in the place of the work we see in the film. Which isn't the first time that's happened. But, uh, Sarah goes on about making a locomotive, and um, Malcolm asks if any more animals are on the boat, and Ludlow replies, no, the baby was brought back on the plane. And um, then Malcolm replies, you have the infant. It should have been... Well, it should have been more of a shock in the film where they don't know what else come back, and all of a sudden Ludlow said, well, here, we've got the infant and it's in a safe place, but um, they start to go on about uh, luring the adults like they did with the trailers. Mm-hmm. And um, Ludlow pulls the rifle for her and says, look, we're prepared, we had this, see? And holds the rifle out, and that's when Sarah takes it. Yeah, some little changes here and there, mainly Ludlow's sort of dealing out more more dialogue than uh, instead of the workmen, but that's all I've got on 104. Anything else you want to get to before we get heavy for the week? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook, The Lost World Minute. Twitter, at The Lost World Minute. And Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. 
These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.